As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to About Progress, a podcast devoted to ordinary people who are striving to make realistic improvements in their lives and reach their goals, however big or small. We are building a community of men and women who love to push themselves to overcome obstacles and make something special of their lives, all while maintaining a healthy balance. In short, people who know life is about progress, not perfection. Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you didn't catch last week's episode with Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife, I would strongly suggest going back and listening to her views on perfectionism. They really are life changing. I've had so many people reach out to tell me about that and how they learned so much from her. Jennifer's special Valentine's deal is still going on for her courses. If you liked her interview, you will love her courses. She didn't ask me to say this. I'm telling you it as a public service announcement. I've included a link to her courses in my show notes. Also in the show notes, I have links to my website, Instagram, and Facebook, so you can see past interviews and follow my own crazy life if you're so inclined. Today, I have a short do something highlight for you after the interview, so stay tuned for that. We have the honor of hearing from Amber Brzezicki today. Most of you will know her as Biceps After Babies. Amber is a fitness Instagrammer who believes in teaching her followers and helping them work from where they are. She is genuine, realistic, smart, funny, and inspiring. She shares why she started her account, what she hopes for her followers, how she achieves goals, and how she views failure as a life teacher. Amber also bravely talks about how she dealt with a big mistake she faced with a near drowning of one of her children a few years ago. I know you will learn so much from Amber. So let's get on to the interview. Hi, I'm here with Amber. Hi, Amber. Hi, Monica. Thank you for being on this show. I am so excited that you are on here. You are one of my favorite fitness people to follow. I would love it if you could give us an introduction to who you are and also what you're known for. Sure. So I um, am a mom of four. I'm 32 years old and a mom of four. And, um, I met my husband, we've been married for about uh, a little over 12 years and I met him at, um, BYU. We -hmm. were in a preview into medicine class. I was planning on going into, um, to be a doctor and he and I fell in love and got married 
And um, I ended up changing my, my major over to nursing so mm-hmm. that I could do something medical, but something that was a little bit more family friendly. I didn't, we didn't think both of us going to med school was um, going to be in the cards for us. So um, we then moved to Pennsylvania. My husband went to medical school there from Pennsylvania. We moved to California, did residency there from California. We then moved to North Carolina and that's where we live now. And he's finishing up his fellowship. And then in about five months, we will move again to hopefully our final location. So um, we've kind of wow. hopped coast to coast That's a, a bunch of times. It is a lot of moving, um, but we're hopefully going to be settling down here pretty soon. So um, yeah, that must be I, nice. When, when I was in um, Pennsylvania, I worked as a nurse uh, after mm-hmm. I graduated from BYU. And then when we moved to California, um, I, I gave that up because by that time I had two kids mm-hmm. and my husband was working crazy hours when residency. Yeah. And so at that point in my life, I switched over to fitness. I switched from doing nursing to doing fitness and I started teaching classes and it started to become kind of a little bit more important part of my life. And then about a year ago, um, was when I started my fitness Instagram and, mm-hmm. um, things kind of took off and, and now it's become a business and, um, something that I just enjoy doing and, um, it's, yeah, it's come, become a much bigger, bigger part of my life lately. Yeah, I love following you. And, and it's clear you have so much knowledge behind what you're talking about, which is one of the reasons why I do love following you. I learn so much with every post that you do. So Oh, that's good, because that's what I want. <laughs> no, yeah, you really you're 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 meeting your goal there for sure. You, you have good. so many certifications. So not only are you a registered nurse, but you, you are registered in a whole lot of other, or certified in a whole lot of other areas. Mm-hmm. What else are you certified to do? So I have my BSN, so I have my Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. Um, and then I also am certified in a bunch of group fitness formats. So I'm certified in Zumba. I teach body pump and body combat. CX works, and then um, I do ballet bar as well. So I have oh, a bunch I didn't of those, know that. certifications. Yeah, I, I actually don't teach it right now, but I have taught it in the past. Um, and then I just in December passed my um, NASM certified personal training test. So mm-hmm. now I'm a certified personal trainer as well. That's so cool. And and I know you also do coaching for macros. Is that something that involves I being do. training? There's no actual like certification. Lots of people ask that. There's no actual um, standardized certification for that, which I'm hoping in the years to come that there will be. Sure. Um, because I think there's a wide variety of knowledge, you know, knowledge and experience that people have with it. But currently, there's not. Yes, but people can can look at you and they. I mean, you do have that wealth of knowledge behind you. Right. I so. have the other. That, and that's my hope is I have all these other background things that help me um, in my coaching and in my you know, in my helping other people in my training. So yeah. So people who are listening to this podcast will most likely know you through your fitness aspirations. And you do have that large following on Instagram in just a year's time. That's an incredible growth. And I'd say because you inspire people so much, but I wanted to talk about that in a little bit. But first, I wanted to talk about your more recent past with fitness. And first question there is what ignited a love of fitness for you? Well, so I, when I grew up, my mom, um, my mom was a, an aerobics instructor, so she taught at the YMCA. So I kind of grew up go- going to the YMCA, seeing my mom teach, and then when I got to be a teenager, I would go and take her classes sometimes. And um, she was always just a really good example of like 
making fitness a priority in her life. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was 14 years old, I remember the YMCA had a rule that you couldn't go into the weight room before you were 14. So I remember when I turned 14 and how excited I was, my mom took me to the weight room and she like showed me the machines and she showed me the dumbbells and like kind of like started my love of lifting all the way back when I was 14. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, my mom has just been such an inspiration for me. She had seven kids. She always made fitness an important part of her life. She recognized that she had seven kids and a lot to do, but that it was important enough to her to always get her workout in because she knew that she was a better mom and she was a better person when she did that. So um, she was such an inspiration to me. Um, And then I just kind of like, there's definitely been periods of my life where I've done more with fitness than others. Um, I like took a weightlifting class. I remember when I was at BYU um, and then when I had my first kid, I had been like at the weight room and, and doing, you know, just on the treadmill and stuff. And then when I had my first kid, um, my friend convinced me to join the local gym. I had never like paid for a membership mm-hmm. up until that point. And I'm really, really cheap. Yeah. And so she convinced me, me to too. like sell out the 30 bucks, mm-hmm. <laughs> the 30 bucks because my, I, they had childcare there. And so my daughter could go to the childcare and it was like the best 30 bucks I ever spent. Even though we were so poor, it was like worth it to me to mm-hmm. be able to go and like go to classes with my friend and drop my daughter off at the, at the childcare. Um, and that's when I fell in love with group fitness was when I, when I joined that gym, I fell in love with Zumba. I fell in love with the body pump and that kind of spearheaded eventually going and learning how to instruct and how to lead classes. So you have shown progress pictures many times, but you have made it clear that you never hated your body even when you weighed more than you do now. And I love that about you. You are not about shaming people for whatever stage they are in. And I just also valued how you how you were okay with that former body too. Like you were happy with it. So I wanted to know what inspired that body confidence in you regardless of the shape you were in. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, my body confidence is something that is so important to me. Um, and I have, I have always loved my body. I haven't always been, a, you know, a size four. Um, I've been heavier, um, but I never, I, I can't remember ever like looking at my body in the mirror and hating it. Um, I remember there was times at, in college when I like tried to lose weight, but it wasn't like, I tried to lose weight because I hated my body. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, again, that like goes back to my mom. My mom was such a great example of health. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't about being skinny. Like I never heard my mom talk about being skinny. I never heard her talk about wanting to lose weight. Um, But we did talk a lot about health in my, in my family. And I had such a good example of seeing her make health a priority and she Mm -hmm. cooked healthy meals for us and she went to the gym and, so I think for me, like, it was always about health. And, um, and you know, when I, when I look in the mirror, I see a healthy body. Um, and so I didn't ever have those, those um, thoughts of, oh, I, I just need to be skinnier or, oh, I'll be a better person if, I'm, if I weigh less. Mm-hmm. That, was never, that was never anything that was instilled into me. And it's something that I'm really, really aware of and thoughtful of with the way that I deal with my children, the way that I teach my children, a lot of people will comment um, on my page and ask about that because my, our kids see us weighing food. Our kids see us going to the gym. Our kids see us talking about protein and 
macros and all these things. And, and people are sometimes concerned, wondering if that's going to put, um, you know, bad thoughts into the kid's head and they're going to grow up with an unhealthy relationship with food. And in our family, it's, we, we talk about why we weigh our food and we never talk about it in a way that it's, it's, shaming of our bodies or that we don't like our bodies and so we want to change them or we want to lose weight but instead we talk about the reason we wear food and the reason we eat the way we eat is because we want to make sure that we're getting enough of the good Mm. things that are going to help our body to grow we talk about being strong we talk about growing muscles and we talk about those things and so you know we we make it something that is very very much a conversation in our home Um, health is a conversation that we have all the time and our kids see that and they see the example that we're setting. Um, and hopefully that will help them you know, down the road too, to be able to have their own goals and have their, um, their own perception of, of what health is like in their life. Well, I love that. The reason it seems like it's stuck about being about health is in your family, it was about health, but it wasn't about appearance. You know, like you, right. you weren't taught that, your goodness is is related to your appearance and that your worth was related that, to your yeah. appearance. And I think that's what... That's exactly it. Yeah. That's what I love about you. And I'm sure others do too. We can see that in you. And I, I want to talk more about that too. But first I wanted to ask how you hope your followers view themselves. Um, so I, I actually just had a recent post about this. Um, because I do think that it's really easy to look at other people and compare yourself and um, see someone who, you know, looks amazing. And then you look at yourself and you don't feel like you measure up and then to talk down to yourself. And that's never, ever what I want um, anything that I post to be about. I want it to be about inspiration and motivation and looking at something and saying, she can do that. And she's a mom of four. I can do that too. And being motivated to be able to make the choices that you have to make to be able to get there. Um, but I think body confidence, um, for, for me comes from within. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that I hope that my followers are, are feeling that and start to, to want to have that in their own lives and start maybe change, shifting their thoughts, um, from, uh, you know, that, that I can't do that, or that's too hard, or, you know, I I can't do what she does to, no, I can do that. I can make the choices. I can make the sacrifices. I can do what I need to do to be able to get to that, the goals that I have set for myself. Mm -hmm. I love the quote, um, that you can simultaneously be a masterpiece and a work in progress. Mm -hmm. I love that quote because just because you're not at your end destination, which none of us are, doesn't mean that you can't absolutely feel like you're a masterpiece and that you are something worth value. Um, and that's what I want. I want people to feel. I want you to feel like you are a masterpiece because we are, we are God's creations and we are masterpieces, but we have goals too. And I still have places that I want to be. And I still have changes that I want to make. And I don't think that we should be stagnant and not ever want to change ourselves, hmm. but it doesn't have to do, it doesn't have to do with not loving ourselves. Yeah. It has to do with just wanting to be better. Well, you're loving yourself enough that you want to keep being better and better. Exactly. Exactly. You're worth it. You're You're worth worth it it. enough that you're like willing to move forward and keep going. You know, um, I wanted to speak a little bit more about 
goals then? Because you, you just brought that up. You are a very goal oriented person, obviously becoming a teacher for these, for these Les Mills classes and a certified trainer, a coach, nurse. While you're pursuing these goals, it's probably hard to not, to not slip into being really hard on yourself or obsessive. So how, have you been able to go about your goals in your life and how have you been able to deal with the failure that might come as you are pursuing goals? That's a good question. So um, I am huge on setting goals. I just think that even if you don't reach them, that you're always going to be better when you're chasing after a goal, you're Mm -hmm. always going to be reaching higher. Um, So I, I, I remember when I was in, um, in high school, I was on the volleyball team. And I kind of think that's where my like passion with goals was set because my, my coach was really big on us setting goals um, and doing like visualization work about where we wanted to be in volleyball. And so every we would set goals at the beginning of every season and we'd have long-term goals and we'd have short-term goals. And then throughout the season, every, before every game, we did like visualization exercises where we were supposed to go and like lay down and visualize ourselves being successful and visualize ourselves doing the spike that we wanted to hit or, you know, whatever it was. And I really think um, that experience, like it just taught me a lot about um, thinking about where I want to be and, and how I want to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there is a balance between um, setting goals that are not always achieved um, but continually striving to reach for them. Uh, in body combat, the uh, one of the instructors, one of the main instructors, has a quote that he says all the time, and he says, fall down seven times, get up eight. Hmm. And I just love that quote because yeah. I think, you know, even if you fall down, even if you don't meet your goals, even if you fail, you get back up, and you just you just keep getting back up. Um, have I set every goal that I've or achieved every goal I've set? Absolutely not. Um, I, you know, definitely have had failures along the way, but I continue to get back up and I continue to try and I continue to, to reach, um, and, and just try to be a little bit better each time. That's great. I, I would love to hear an example. Do you have an example you can think of a time where you did fail or maybe not quite reach your target and how you worked yourself, um, worked your way through that? Um, yeah, I actually do. So um, we moved to North Carolina about uh, a little over two years ago. And literally two weeks after we moved to North Carolina, um, we I was with my kids, my four kids, and we were at the lake, a nearby lake with some of the people that I had you know, met in the two weeks that I'd lived in North Carolina. And my two-and-a-half-year-old um, didn't know how to swim at the time and had on his floaty and was just playing and then um, wanted to build some sandcastles. And so um, I allowed him to take off his floaty and um, like not even 10 minutes later, um, I was just kind of got distracted or whatever, but I was looking for my son and trying to find my son. And I just had this like pit in my feeling. It was like all of a sudden my mind said, you need to find him right now. Hmm. And I had this pit in my stomach. And so I ran over to where he had been and he wasn't there. And mm. so I ran to the water and, um, sorry. And I saw him floating face down in the water. Um, mm. so I yelled out, there was someone <sighs> like five feet from him, like five feet from him was an adult. Yeah. Um, but no one, no one saw him. So I yelled out 
to get him. I ran towards the water. He turned around. He grabbed him, brought him to the shore, and I, I carried him and threw him onto the sand. And I'm a nurse, yeah. um, but in all my years of practice, I haven't ever done, actually done CPR mm-hmm. on anybody. Um, I've taken the classes. I've done the certifications, but I've never actually done CPR. So the first person I've ever done CPR on is my son, and I did. It wasn't breathing. Um, I did three rounds on him, and he threw up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I turned him over to recovery position, and he started breathing. And um, obviously at that point, like a huge crowd had gathered around me. Um, I had yelled for somebody to grab my phone and call 911, so my friend was on the phone with 911. I was giving reports to her, um, and I remember when... He started breathing. He wasn't awake, right? He just was breathing. Mm-hmm. When he started breathing, I had this overwhelming feeling that he's going to live. Mm-hmm. And I knew that he was going to live. But when I did nursing, I was a neuro nurse. I mean, I worked with people with brain damage and strokes and head you know, trauma victims. Mm-hmm. And so I knew, that I, I knew that breathing was good, but I didn't know what his brain function was going to be like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't know how long he had been under. I didn't know... I didn't know. I just didn't know what he was going to be like. Um, so the, you know, we, I stayed with him. Um, the ambulance came. They, you know, worked on him and obviously took him to the hospital. So I um, climbed into the ambulance. Um, some of my other friends, like, ended up taking my kids for me. Um, and, we went to the, and we went to the hospital. And the whole way there, I just, you know, in dire straits and just talking to the, the paramedics and, asking questions about, I mean, I knew, like, I knew too much almost. Um, yeah. So I'm asking about his, glass, his Glasgow coma scale. I'm asking about his oxygen saturation and all these things, trying to, like, get a sense of how bad this is. Mm-hmm. Um, I had someone, or I had called my husband, which was the hardest call I've ever had to make, mm-hmm. calling my husband and telling him that our son almost drowned on my watch. Mm-hmm. So when we got to the hospital... He met us there, and I just remember running into his arms and just him hugging me yeah. and just, you know, being together and feeling so incredibly awful for what had happened. So we went into the, into the trauma bay room. They let me be in the trauma bay, which is just what I needed as a mom because I just I needed to be with him. And yeah. he started to fight. He started to, like, fight what they were trying to do. He wasn't coherent. But he started trying to fight, which was like a really, you know, a good sign that he was, he was, you know, not wanting them to do what they needed to do. Um, we then went to the PICU. So he went to the PICU and the doctors all told us that he was probably going to get worse before he was going to get better. And that um, we just should kind of prepare ourselves that overnight drowning or near drowning victims often get worse. Yeah. So we prepared ourselves and miracles of miracles. He never decided overnight he never needed to be intubated um he never got worse like they said he would um but he also didn't really wake up he just was just kind of like he was asleep and he did he wasn't coherent he wasn't talking he wasn't doing anything hmm. and um i remember at two thirty in the morning i was laying in bed with him the lights were out my husband was you know next to us and all of a sudden he woke up and he said mommy what is that orange light over there he said, Mommy, where's my brother and sister? He said their names. Mm. And, and I remember looking at my husband and saying, he's going to be okay. 
He's going to be okay. And he was. Wow. We went home the next day and he was fine. And he was fine. And he didn't, he wouldn't have any fear. He like really didn't remember any of it. My kids were fine. But I can tell you that I wasn't fine. Yeah. I had so much guilt mm-hmm. because he was on my watch. And I should have been paying better attention. And because of me, he almost drowned. And I almost lost him. And that guilt of feeling like I had failed as a mother, oh, man, it weighed on me. Yeah. It really weighed on me. And it took me a good couple months of feeling like I wasn't good enough, feeling like I made this huge mistake, feeling like, you know, I didn't really deserve to have this, this child it was mm. so hard, so yeah. hard on me. And I remember when I was in the hospital, um, we were sitting in there and the doctors and nurses would come in and out and in and out. And every time they would, they would look at me because everyone knew that I had done CPR on him and that, um, you know, that that had happened. And so they would come in and they would say, oh, mom, you did such a good job. Mom, you did great job. Like, he's here because of you. And every time someone would say that to me, it just like broke my heart because I thought, no. I'm not a good mom. If I was a good mom, we wouldn't, I wouldn't have had to do CPR on him. And so I felt, oh, I felt that guilt for so long. Yeah. And it was, it was pretty terrifying. Like, I remember going up to my son's room and just crying every night. Mm-hmm. Because I was so glad he was here, but feeling so, so burdened. Yeah. And, you know, I... I talked a lot about it with my husband. I talked a lot about it with my family. I wrote a bunch of my feelings out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I eventually like was able to work through it. And, um, you know, obviously everyone makes mistakes. That was, that was a mistake. And it was a huge one. And I almost lost my son because of it. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't, you know, I ultimately realized it doesn't mean I'm a bad mom. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean that, you know, I don't deserve my kids. Um, I made a mistake and it's one that I will never make again. Um, but I had to work through that. And that is one time that I absolutely felt like I failed. Um, and, and it was hard. And I, you know, years now or two and a half years away from it, I have a little bit more perspective, but I had to give myself some grace. I had to say, you know what, like I did my best and, um, I am just grateful that he's here. I'm grateful that he has no brain damage. I'm grateful that he, you know, isn't scared of the water, that my other kids aren't scared of the water. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I'm, I'm, doing, I'm, doing what I, I'm doing what I can. So, um, you know, for all those moms who feel like they aren't measuring up, um, I've, you know, my kid almost drowned on my watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like, you know, I came, I came through that and... And we're okay, and he's okay. So um, failure teaches you some lessons, and they are sometimes some hard lessons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was something that, you know, I learned. I learned a lot about myself. I learned yeah. a lot about myself and about what I'm capable of and, um, you know, about a God who I really feel like was with me that day mm-hmm. and who really gave me the guidance that I needed. Who knew that I would need to? have that CPR knowledge, Um, when I needed it, boy, it came to me. It came to me, what I was supposed to do, 
and I felt this feeling of peace as I was giving CPR to my son, which is not something that That's you should crazy. feel. Yeah. But I absolutely felt like my God was with me at that point. Um, so I guess that's, that's, that's my story. Oh, Amber, like, I think it's good for people to hear that huge moment in your life, but also how you worked through that. I mean, anyone who's had that happen with friends or family knows, like, you can have 10 adults around and it happens. It happens so silently. Yes. And, you know, it's, but like you said, it's, it's not that you're a bad mom. But I know that any person who's gone through that or through any kind of failure as a mom, like if your kid gets hurt or they get bullied or or you just mess up every day, you know, emotionally with your kids, you, you mess up in ways that can really damage them more than physical things that can happen to them. It's just that failure feeling that that kids are resilient. Absolutely. They they bounce back in ways that we we don't. And. I like how you talked about how you worked through it and how you became resilient against those own thoughts in your mind. Is there something you can think of that helped you through that more? Because I'm sure the anxiety about surrounding their safety and what you were doing on the daily is what impacted you the most. Oh, man. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me was just time. And my mind knew that um, I, you know, I, it was an accident. And um, luckily, I had people who could reinforce that around me. Um, you know, every time my husband, he, you know, it was an accident, honey. He like, was very, very supportive. Um, and I just think that the time that I allowed myself to um, keep telling my brain that, right? Like, and I yeah. think this applies to a lot of areas in our lives. Our mm-hmm. brain knows one thing, but, you know, sometimes we just override that logical thought and, you know, go in that, you know, a darker place. Mm-hmm. And I just had to keep reminding myself of it was an accident. It was an accident. Everything worked out. Um, we're okay. Uh, and and it doesn't, it doesn't define me, and it doesn't mm-hmm. define me as a mom. Um, and... And I think time, honestly, was, was the biggest thing. Uh, time and then just reinforcing that and retelling myself that. It was very therapeutic for me to um, write out my story. I wrote, you know, I wrote the entire story out. Um, and it was very therapeutic for me to go through that and kind of just rehash some of the feelings that I had and some of the uh, emotions that I experienced. Um, and I sent that out to my family. And I just feel like, the more I could, the more I told the story, the more I could kind of work through the story. Mm-hmm. 
and yeah. the, the experience that I had had. So I think those were, you know, the most helpful things. But obviously, like, it's still, it's still something that will always stick with me. Like, I still get emotional yeah, um, of thinking about it, and I still get emotional talking about it. It was a pretty, it was a pretty impactful um, day mm-hmm. of, of my life. And, you know, um, kind of, you know, when you almost lose something, you kind of realize how, how precious it is to you. I still look at that one son sometimes when he is being an absolute pill. Because mm-hmm. he's five now, right? Like, yeah. he's five. Um, and some days they just test your, your patience. But I still look at him and think, he's here. <laughs> I am just happy that he is here. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So it gives, you, it gives you a little bit of perspective as, as a mother. <laughs> Something that I don't think is a, is a bad thing on a, on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so glad that you would share that perspective with us. I just honestly, I I can't imagine how hard that would be to overcome it. And I admire your strength in sharing it because I'm sure there's a lot of shame that goes with it. And you're not letting that shame win and sharing that with everyone who has been in similar shoes. Like we thank you. Thanks, Amber. Oh, Absolutely. So I do want to turn now more to your social media presence. So first of all, I love your handle name that you chose, Biceps After Babies. (laughs) Whose idea was that? So that was, it was something that I came up with, which is really funny because I'm Mm -hmm. like the least creative person known to man, but I feel like (laughs) that was like my one creative thing that I've done in my life. That's pretty creative. um, Yeah. I give uh, you props for that. Yeah. Yeah. So about a year ago, I was, on Instagram and I was just like flipping through my Instagram and I, I followed a couple fitness people and um, I just remember like I was looking at one post and I was like, I can do that. Like I, mm. what she does, like I can do that kind of stuff. I know, like I know that kind of stuff. I know that innately that's, that, that's how I live my life. And I just thought, huh, like maybe I should do that. And so I, I kind of quietly like was just thinking about it. I didn't tell my husband about it. I didn't really tell anybody about it. Mm-hmm. And one day I just remember I was sitting in the car because I was thinking, well, what would my username be? I went to sign up and they like want you to do a username. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I have no idea. Um, and I actually thought about doing something with like mom of four or something with like mom in the title, you know, with my four kids. But mm-hmm. then I had this thought of like, we think we're done, but like, what if we have another one? Sure. Then it would like not work. Know. And so, and so I was like, okay, I can't do like mom of four. So then I was sitting in the car and then all of a sudden, I, like, I just thought my arm, I, I've always been very proud of my arms. Like I always have really loved the way that my arms look. They're pretty um, beautiful. So I have then, to say. <laughs> and so then I just thought biceps after babies, like that just totally envelops what, what I'm about. The mm-hmm. fact that, like, you can have muscles and you can have a, a body that you want to even after you've had babies. Like, my reach is a lot towards moms. And mm-hmm. um, I follow a lot of fitness accounts who are, like, these young 20-year-old girls who, you know, don't have anybody but themselves to take care of. Yeah. And um, and that's great. You know, that's, that's the state of life they're in, but that's mm-hmm. absolutely not the stage of life I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of other people to take care of, but that, that doesn't mean that I can't reach my fitness goals. So I just thought biceps after babies just kind of enveloped that whole, that whole thought process. Um, but I love it because my goal has always been to like, to help other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more people that, you know, I can, can the more visibility I have, 
the more people get that inspiration and that motivation and that help. And, you know, if I'm that person that is able to give somebody the, the boost or the motivation to be able to, to change something of them, I mean, that's, that's the coolest thing. And that's, that's the reason I do what I do. Well, I've, I've said this many times how much I love following you, but as inspirational as you are, it is coming from a place of you trying to genuinely teach people and help them. And versus, you know, the opposite that I see so often with fitness accounts is people um, flaunting how hot they are or <laughs> trying to yeah. make people admire them or to just make a ton of money. And uh, you're, you're the opposite of that. So I, it seems like you already answered that question. What inspired that focus for you and is to teach. Is there anything else you want to add to that? Uh, just that I, I mean, I think that that's something I was very aware of when I was starting and mm-hmm posting selfies of myself was like the hardest thing for me to do mm-hmm. um, initially. Like that's just not who I am wanting to like post these pictures of myself. Um, but I do recognize that it is motivating and it is inspirational every once in a while. Like I really try to not make my whole page about posting, you know, pictures of me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I, I recognize that it is inspirational. It is motivational for people to be able to see those pictures. But it was hard for me at first to mm-hmm. like put yourself out there. And some people, you know, will critique you. And um, it's, it's a challenge. But again, it's never been I never post pictures of myself in order to say, hey, look at look at me. Yeah. I always try to put a, you know, a caption that's educational, that's motivational towards you. And um, uh, helping, you know, people to reach their own, their own goals. Um, so yeah, I am, I'm very, I'm very aware of that and very, you know, cognizant of that with, with how I post. You know, another contrast to that. So you do have people who are really about appearance sometimes with their fitness accounts, but you also have fitness, um, fitness accounts that are very harsh, you know, just really hard on themselves, seem really high strung, self punishing. It's hard to follow that too, because it's contagious, you know, it's contagious to the people who are following and participating in it. But with you, I see you as one that is encouraging positive changes, instead of harsh discipline. So I want to know more about that viewpoint for you, how, why you have that viewpoint, I think it goes back to your mom, but also how, how you balance that in your own life of having that positive change mindset. Yeah, I think um, one of the things that I am really big on is positivity. Um, I think that, you know, you're going, being positive does more to change you and yourself than negativity ever is going to. Hmm. Um, You know, if being hard on yourself worked, it probably would have worked by now. Um, beating yourself up isn't what is going to motivate you to change. Um, like you said before, having that love for yourself and thinking that you're worth it is what is going to motivate that change. Um, so I am. I'm all about putting your energy into um, positive things like setting goals um, and and you know trying to reach for them rather than beating yourself up or um, shaming yourself or thinking that you're not you know as good as somebody else. Uh, and I think that's an, that's an important thing to remember uh, when you're looking at other people's accounts. Cause I know that, you know, people can see other people's accounts and start to compare 
And I don't think comparing um, is ever anything that's going to lift lift mm. you up. Instead, when I when I look at somebody who is amazing at whatever in life, you know, I was telling, I was talking to my husband, and I was um, saying, you know, there's a lot of things in life that I'm not good at. I'm really not good at journaling. I'm not good at decorating. Not even always very good at cleaning. Mm-hmm. But I am able to look at women who are and say good for them. They are awesome at X, Y, and Z. And it doesn't mean anything for me. Just, you know, I don't have to compare it to me, but I can say that woman is awesome at journaling. Good for her. She, that is, that is great for her. And I hope that's what women, I think women were really hard on ourselves. And I hope that more women as they like, as I post things and as, um, you know, you become more self-aware that they're able to do that and say, that is awesome for them. They are willing to put in the work to do that. And, and that's great. And it doesn't mean anything about me. Oh, that's rare to find that. Cause I, even if I'm talking the talk, that is something that is difficult for me to not do that comparison trap. You know, that's difficult for me to not fall into that. So I love hearing how you go about that and it's being happy for others, but also loving yourself enough to value your own strengths and just move forward. Just like you're good at moving forward and, and, and right. yeah, because we all have strengths. Yes, I mean, people. Everybody has strengths, right? Hmm. It, and they're all different, and that's that's what makes it great. That's what makes society great. Is we all had different strengths. If we all had the same strengths, it would be boring. Yeah. Well, I want to know more about your systems that you have in place because I do wonder how do you do it? How how are you doing these? You're teaching, you're working out on your own, you're also doing this Instagram. Like people don't know how much that Instagram account takes up your time. I'm sure they takes do not up. Realize. It does take up. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. what systems do you have in place that help you keep the right things in place for the right time and in the ways that you're you're trying to move towards? Yes. Oh, the balance, right? Mm-hmm. That's always yeah. everyone's like balance, trying to find that balance. Um, well, my husband will, you know, will laugh because he just says that I like run life at a different speed than a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I do, I get a lot done in a very short amount of time and I have a lot of energy. People always ask me how I have so much energy. Um, and I, I just, I am a doer. I I'm a list maker. I am a goal setter. Um, and I am very scheduled. So we have a very, I run a pretty tight schedule with my family. Um, and we, my kids know like what happens during the day and we go to the gym every morning. Like my two kids that are at home, still not at school. They know we go to the gym every morning. And then on certain days we do grocery shopping and on certain days we do, you know, errands. Um, and I think having that routine for me, works Mm -hmm. to be able to know that I'm going to get the stuff done that I have, that I have to get done during the day. Um, but I mean, I don't have any like grand secrets that I like keep that helps me to be, um, to be able to get a lot done. I just, I multitask. Actually, that is one thing. And it's so multitasking is, uh, both a blessing and a curse. Mm -hmm. Um, I am able to multitask like a boss, man. I can like, I can be, you know, cooking dinner while I'm listening to my choreography that I have to be memorizing while my kid's sitting at the table doing homework that I'm helping with while I, you know, like I can just have, you know, five different things going on. And I do that all throughout the day where I'm like multitasking. But at the same time, I recognize 
that sometimes that means I'm not fully present with whatever I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not fully present with that child who I'm helping with their homework and I'm not fully present, um, you know, learning my choreography and I'm kind of giving half of my brain to everything. And so um, I have made a, more of a, um, a goal uh, lately. I actually did a post about this a couple months ago of trying to multitask a little bit less. Like I think yeah. there's some things that I can multitask pretty efficiently with, mm-hmm. but things like reading, you know, to my, to my son or, um, you know, sitting down and helping my kid with their piano lessons and things like that. Um, I, I need to be better about taking the time just to focus on one, on one thing at a time, because my mind does go to five different things at the same time. And then I'm not, I'm not with that kid or I'm not with my husband or I'm not with whatever is the most important things. I'm really glad that you'd be honest about the flip side of that because we do see someone who is so productive and fruitful and what they're doing, but I'm, I'm glad that you would own some of the weaknesses inherent in that, in that trait of, of moving, you know, constantly working on it. Yeah. And I'm proud of you for acknowledging that too, for yourself, you know, <laughs> that that's really great. But it looks different yes. for everyone, I guess, is, is what it comes down to. People pursue Absolutely. goals in different ways. What would you say to women who feel like they don't have it in them to even start on their fitness goals or even other goals in their lives? Like they they really struggle to get that energy up. Uh, I love your your Do Something campaign. Oh, thanks. That, I think that's that so nice. is just that no i think that's just fabulous and i think that's such a key like do something um sometimes we get in our minds i like to tell my clients this a lot um you know there's good better and best and sometimes Mm -hmm. we feel like if we can't do best then we might as well not do it at all and i you know i think that's absolutely i think that's absolutely false i think Mm -hmm. good can be just good and doing good is always going to be better than doing doing nothing so I love your, like, do, just do something. Start somewhere. Um, it doesn't have to be big. I, in fact, when I start clients, a lot of times clients will come to me and they'll want to overhaul their nutrition and they'll want a whole new, like, exercise program to follow because they're feeling motivated and they want to, like, change it all. You know, they want to drink more water and they want to get more sleep and they want to reduce their stress and they want to eat better and they want to exercise and they mm-hmm. just want to, like, Everything. have it all now. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and I tell them, I say, okay, we're not going to work on exercise the first couple of weeks. We're going to get you tracking macros and we're going to get you figuring out your nutrition first. Because I find that when I try to do it all right at the beginning, it's really overwhelming yeah. and progress doesn't end up being made. Mm. So breaking it into small pieces is going to get you much further down the road than trying to overhaul everything in your life at once. Mm. Um, so setting goals that are just small and are just little and that are achievable is so important. So if you're just getting into fitness or you're thinking, I'm not feeling like I do enough exercise or I'm just not feeling healthy, I'm not feeling strong, I'm not feeling like I'm able to get through my day and have the energy that I need, um, you know, start with I'm going to go to bed by 10 o'clock or 11 mm. o'clock or whatever, you know, start with something like that, something that's very like concrete, you can like you know, say whether or not you did it. Um, and, and just put exercise and, you know, whatever else to the side. Um, or if you're really wanting to get started on exercise, instead of saying, I'm going to exercise six times, six times this week, 
you say, I'm going to go, I'm going to exercise. I'm going to exercise two times this week. And if I do, if I do two times and I want to do two more, that's great. Mm -hmm. You know, I've exceeded my goal. It's okay to exceed your goal. Um, But I think starting small and just starting somewhere um, is going to help you to feel better about yourself too, right? You set a goal to do two and you do, you know, you do three. Ah, I feel so good about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, next week I'm going to, you know, keep going for more. Whereas if you say, I'm going to do six days of exercise next week and you only do five, now you're like, oh, yeah. I'm the worst. <laughs> you yeah. know, even though you yes. did two more days of exercise had, had you only done the three. Yeah, um, true. So, so smart, start small. Do something. Do something, even if it's not the best. That is, good is so better than empowering. Nothing. I feel I feel a lot lighter now after after talking to you because <laughs> oh wow that really is beautiful how you worded that I think a lot of times we think perfectionists are only people who are really high achieving p- people but I think a lot of times perfectionists are people who are just paralyzed by fear and by the sheer uh, amount I think you're right yeah like the sheer amount they're trying to put on themselves so I'm glad that you talked about that just start starting so, so, so small. Okay. So I want to talk about perfectionism and how you see it both with like maybe the high strung overachiever, high active people, or like the people who are like coming to you saying, I want to do all of this, but then they get um, burdened really quickly. So how mm-hmm. do you see perfectionism in the work that you're doing and the people you're training? So I definitely see um, perfectionism a lot in, in some of my clients. Um, I, again, they like, they have this all or nothing mentality where it's either I hit my macros perfectly and I hit every single workout perfectly, or if I can't do that or I don't do that, then it's just all over. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think you see that a lot in eating disorders, um, especially with, uh, like a binge and restrict cycle Mm -hmm. where it's like, I'm eating perfectly. I'm eating healthy. I'm eating the, you know, the right foods or clean foods. And then once they slip up and once, you know, you eat a food that's unclean, then it's all over and you just eat whatever. Um, and then you get into this, you know, this cycle of binging and then feeling bad about yourself. So then you restrict again until Mm -hmm. you get back to where you just can't take it anymore. And then you eat a cookie and now you eat 12 cookies Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, that idea that you have to be, it's all or nothing. You have to eat either perfect and you're eating clean or you're binging is, is really harmful and a really harmful way to view food. And it's one of the reasons that I embrace and love, um, if it fits your macros and, and counting macros, because it is not an all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I eat healthy 80% of the time. Um, and I, eat a lot of fruits and vegetables and I eat a lot of whole grains, but that other 20% of the time I eat ice cream and I eat cookies and I don't feel bad about it because I know that I'm still able to hit my goals. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I find that a lot of um, people who come to me with that all or nothing, that perfectionistic mentality of um, there's one way to do fitness and there's one way to eat right, leave after coaching and feel totally changed by the experience you know what I do is not it's not only about physical changes so many of my clients 
will email me or, you know, text me and just talk about the mental changes that they're having um, with the process of, uh, of learning about themselves and learning about the tendencies that they have and learning that they can make progress without having to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge burden that is lifted off of a lot of people who think that they have to mm. eat perfectly and they have to exercise perfectly if they want to, you know, reach their goals. And, um, you know, so I, I help, I help break that a lot of times in my clients and they recognize that, you know what, like I can be a normal human being and have a slice of cake with my son's birthday party and I can still have abs, you know, like Mm -hmm. both of those can be true things. And I think it helps with that perfectionist mentality, um, knowing that you don't have to be perfect. And that's another reason why I love you. I just didn't say this over and over. I love you, Amber. (laughs) (laughs) That's another reason on my list is you show the treats that you're eating and you show the days like where your kids may be pancakes and just how you enjoy that. And you, you are present in those, in those moments and you don't allow even your macro goals to interfere with the life goals that you have. So can can you first give us a little context for people? You could probably spend a whole podcast on this, but a nutshell. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What does macros, like, what is that system for someone's like, what is she talking about? Yeah. (laughs) What is that system? Um, So most people are familiar with counting calories and most people understand what you say when you're counting calories. Yeah. Um, But what a lot of people don't understand is that um, the calories in your food are made up of from three macronutrients, mm-hmm. from fats, from proteins, and from carbohydrates. And that's what gives your, those are the things in your food that give it calories. And so um, IIFYM, uh, which stands for if it fits your macros, or you'll hear it called flexible dieting, or mm-hmm. you'll hear it called counting your macros, is basically um, instead of just setting a caloric goal that you're trying to aim for each day, you set a, um, a goal for the number of fat grams that you want to eat a number of um, carb grams and a number of protein grams and you track it um, and you, you know, track and you try to hit those, those goals straight on. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the reasons that it's uh, helpful um, and a little bit more, I call it guided. It's like guided calorie counting mm-hmm. um, because typically you end up eating the higher protein and a little lower carb and lower fat. And, it ends up guiding because you have to hit those certain macro goals. It ends up guiding you towards foods that tend to be a little bit healthier. Mm-hmm. Um, so where if you're just counting calories, you could absolutely like fill all of your calories up with just oh, junk food okay. and still hit your, and still hit your calorie goal. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to eat just junk food, you will never hit your macro goals. And You'll never be able difference. to get enough protein. It's the difference. So I, I like mm-hmm. to say it. it's like, it's like guided, guided calorie counting. Okay. Oh, I like, but I like the end product, how it really is leading to a more like really genuinely healthy person. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So uh, with this, so with that context in mind, do you see people becoming too obsessed with that too? You know, just trying to uphold to those ideals or is that kind of hard to do? I don't know. No, I I definitely think it's, um, it's a balance. And people ask me, um, 
too if I'm going to like always count macros, you know, because it, it does. It takes some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to log your food. You have to you weigh your food. I will admit to anybody who's starting out that it feels very overwhelming and it feels very time consuming. Mm-hmm. I will tell you that the longer you do it, the less time consuming it is. And I, you know, don't spend very much time of much of my day planning or, you know, weighing anything. It's, it's really fast for me now. Yes. But my answer is always no. I think, I think macro counting is awesome for getting you to a goal, whether that Mm -hmm. is weight loss, whether that is muscle gain, you know, but I think it's really great for getting you to a goal. And then I am all about using the tools and the understanding of portions that you have learned through tracking and weighing and transitioning into intuitive eating and just eating until you're full and eating appropriate portion sizes. But I think what macro tracking does is it it gives you that idea about portions and that idea about what's in your food. So I think that the knowledge that you gain through tracking and, and through weighing your food, the ultimate goal is to not have to do that right? Okay. But this is a good way to like teach you that those skills that you don't have to track for the rest of your life mm-hmm. so that you, you can, you know, meet your goal and then be able to stay there without having to track. So I, I definitely think it's good for meeting your goals. I do not think that you need to track for the rest of your life. And I do not think that it needs to become obsessive. Um, and, and I definitely have seen people get to that place where it, it does become obsessive mm-hmm. and you know, that's, that is not what I'm, that's not what I'm about. And it's, and it's not what I, what I encourage or model. Well, you're, it seems like your goal as a macro coach is to basically work yourself out of a job. Yes. Right? That's exactly what I tell. That's exactly what I tell my clients. Really? I tell them that. Yes. And at the end of your coaching, like my goal is to send you off and to like have you feel like you have the tools that you need to be successful. I love that you talked about intuitive eating. So for someone like me who does have an eating disorder background, you know, that history, any any kind of counting or systematic way of eating or working out, I, I personally have to stay afar distance from, you know, I have to keep my distance from those things, but I do see how this is incredible, incredibly helpful and a really powerful tool to help people guide towards finding what that balance is for them. And what you said, that eating, that intuitive eating, you know, to gradually make it part of who they are. So I don't know, maybe you can speak on that. Well, I, I would say too, that I will never say that counting macros is what everybody should do. I will Mm -hmm. never say that. Because I think oh, you cool have to, to find what works for you. Okay. Yeah, no, I think you have to find what works for you. And, uh, you know, while I have found counting macros to be really helpful in my fitness goals, and I've coached, you know, hundreds of clients that have found the same thing, I do not think that this is, is for everybody. And if, you know, you've tried macro counting or, um, you know, you just can't get over the fact of having to weigh things, like it, maybe it's not for you and mm-hmm. maybe clean eating is for you or maybe keto is for you or maybe, you know, know, there's lots of things out there. And I think that matching yourself up with something that works for you is, is almost more important than what it actually is. And I'll say the same thing about exercise. People will ask Mm -hmm. me all the time, well, what's the best exercise to do? And, and I say the one you like to do, that's what the best exercise is because it's the one that you're going to do. I don't, Hmm. you know, Mm. who cares if swimming is the best exercise if you hate it. Yeah. You know, that's, <laughs> you're not going to keep doing yeah. it. And it's the same thing with your diet. If 
You know, if you just love eating keto, like, good, go for it, like, do it. Mm -hmm. But if you just hate it, like, you know, come, come, we always say, come to IIF1M. We have cookies in moderation. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We have cookies. Okay, Amber, if people want to to contact you or to see more about you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, So the best way is probably on Instagram. So um, my username on there is biceps period after period babies. Um, So you can search me there. All my contact information and my email and stuff is on there. Okay. And that's for someone who might want to be a client as well? Correct. Yeah. My my coaching email is on there. You can just send me an email and I I get back to you real fast. Okay, and your last your last question before I let you go is what have you learned about yourself? I usually say the past 10 years, what have you learned about yourself? Uh, I think something that I've learned is that I can do hard things. We've had, my husband has been in medical training. It's rough. Mm-hmm. It's long. He works lots of hours. Mm-hmm. And it, it's hard. Um but I look back and I think, you know what? Like we made it, like we did it. Yeah. My husband worked long hours. I had, you know, kids at home um, and being a single mom for a lot of, you know, a lot of that time mm-hmm. or feeling like a single mom, mm-hmm. I should say. Yes. Um, it, it was hard and I did it. And I, and I almost feel like, you know, we can do anything. We made it, made it through residency, yeah. any other, um, you know, wise out there of of uh, docs or dentists or what have you will kind of relate to that. Yeah. But making it through residency, it was it was rough, and we made it. So I think I've just learned that um, I can do hard things. Hard things can come, and I can I can buckle down, and I can I can do it, and I can make it happen. And that's that's empowering to have that that thought of I can do it. I can I can do it. Oh, Amber, I have so enjoyed talking to you. Thank you very much for taking the time. Now you know why I was so vocal about how much I love Amber. I think podcasts are such a fun way to hear from people we only know through another medium. And I feel like Amber's soul really comes across so beautifully in this interview. I, I would like to share today's highlight for the Do Something series. I had a great message sent to me from Madeline Casey, and she's on Instagram at Madeline Casey underscore. She told me that she was so inspired by the interviews and motivated to do something. She started learning Spanish and taking a photography class, and she also reached out to an old friend. Madeline, thank you so much for sharing that with me. I would love to highlight more of you and what you are doing to face big and small fears in your life. That's part of our Do Something series. It's like what Amber and I talked about. You just have to start. You can start so, so, so small. And if you want to reach out to tell me about your Do Something, you can find me at About Progress or include the hashtag About Progress Podcast in your social media posts. I've included ways for you to direct message me or email me in the show notes as well. You can also use that hashtag to share what you are up to while you listen to this podcast. Curly Orms messaged me to tell me that she listened to one of our interviews while passing a ball with her baby. It was so fun getting that shout out and I love seeing the photo as well. So keep them coming, everyone. I can't thank you enough for listening, sharing this podcast, following and submitting reviews. I'm so grateful to have this podcast in my life and I'm so grateful for all of you and for how you keep encouraging me to to keep doing this. I'll see you next Wednesday for another interview. And in the meantime, take care of yourself.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 